name's Jeff, if we haven't met yet, and uh, excited to be with you guys. Actually, I'll say this quick, as Sarah was saying, that I, I remembered I did a trunk last year, and I got the award for tried hardest, which means... <laughs> which means my trunk was the worst. Actually, that's what that, and Matt Callio got that before me. That's the, I don't know, something about pastors doing horrible trunks at trunk or treat. So you can't do worse than us. Come out and bless the kids. Uh, anyway. Well, part of the excitement around here, Sarah shared some things that are exciting. Part of the excitement around here lately, if you've been across you at all during the week, is these turkeys. There are three wild turkeys that kind of go from the Kish across Bethany Road over there. I don't know, but they're they're here usually in the morning and often in the afternoons, and, uh, and I mean, they're, they're kind of fun. I just think they're interesting to watch because they somehow, like, need to move their neck while they walk. Like, they're real weird birds, um, but they like to cross Bethany Road, and I'm often, like, over on this side of the building, and I'll hear horns honking, and I'll look out, what's going on? Oh, the turkeys are on the road, which has caused me on a few occasions to say, those stupid birds. I mean, one time I looked out and literally, like, I, it, it, like, runs at a car. Like, get off my road. Tur like, that's a tur I mean, like, stupid birds. <laughs> but I saw them this morning. I mean, these things are not dead. They're still alive. I have yet to see a dead wild turkey body on the road. I mean, so here's my thing. I keep calling them stupid birds, but my faith is growing in these birds. Because <laughs> they keep showing up. They're not getting, they know what they're doing, the car, they know the car, I don't know, I don't know, but I'm just saying, my faith in these birds is growing, they just keep showing up. That's a silly story, but it's true, it's been happening, and it kind of gets us going, because we're going to talk about faith today, in a much bigger way, not just about birds, but in God, and we're going to talk about our faith growing. So we're in Luke chapter 17, uh, where our text is verses 5 to 10 as we've been following the church calendar. Uh, and it was interesting, I, I, I don't, I'm not a lone ranger Christian. When, I, when I'm in the Word, I like to read with other thinkers, other brothers and sisters in Christ who have spent time studying the Word, past, present. I mean, it's good to hear from some of the voices from centuries ago. We are a part of a 2,000-year-old faith. It's beautiful. And this text is interesting. Within our tradition, you get a little bit of a debate. Some people read this text and they see Luke is just gathering, just Jesus taught on a lot of occasions. And Luke is just gathering some proverbial things that Jesus said and just putting them together in these verses. Some people view it that way. Other people view this as, no, no this is a, a real conversation, a, a teaching that Jesus embarked on, but Luke just gives us the really the condensed version, like an extreme summary. But if you, if you actually kind of step back and fill in the gaps, it, it does make sense that these, this, this, these things that, that some people think are just collected together actually flow together as Luke is teaching. And you know, it's one of those things where, I don't know, the longer you sit with the text, the more you may change your mind on questions like this. When I was in seminary, I had professors who wrote really, really big, thick books on the Bible commentaries, and they would often say in class, you know, a few years ago I taught this text this way, but now I've been doing my commentary. I'm going to teach it a new way. I've learned some new things. So maybe I'll view this differently someday, but today I really think that this is a condensed version of a real conversation. We're not getting the whole conversation, but, but, but Luke has condensed it down into basic summary form. And because of that, 
I want you to be aware of what's happening in verses 1 to 4 because I think it sets up what the disciples say in verse 5. Now, Jesus begins by doing some strong teaching about false teachers, and he's kind of giving a warning. He's doing some teaching, but then he, he moves in. Again, I think he's doing a bigger teaching, but at some point he moves into forgiveness. And he says, if anybody ever comes to you and repents, if they ask for forgiveness, you need to forgive. Now, we just get a summary, but if you read all the Gospels, you know Jesus is saying that because you and I, were made, we were made in the image of our Heavenly Father. And he is one who forgives. And he forgives generously and he forgives freely. And so if we are going to follow him, we must, Jesus says this on you must, we'll talk about obedience, you must be someone who forgives. Now I've preached on forgiveness before. I'm not going to preach on forgiveness today, but I know when I preach on forgiveness, on the high calling that Jesus gives us of forgiveness, I know it's hard to hear. It is hard. It's hard to live a forgiving life. And, and if you ever really wrestle with it, if you have people who have really hurt you or betrayed you and you need to forgive them, you know how hard it is. And you may wonder, how can I do this? <laughs> and if you've ever wondered that, you're ready to hear the text this morning. Because I think that's where we begin in verse 5. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Jesus has just made this statement. If, if someone if someone asks for your forgiveness seven times in a day, you still forgive. And the disciples say, show us how to increase our faith. <laughs> Jesus, that's the high calling. How could we? To do that, we need our faith to grow. That's what they're saying. We need more faith. We believe you. We trust you. But that sounds really hard. In verse 6, Jesus answers, if you had faith, and this is where we'll spend most of our time. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, it's one of the smallest seeds in the region, as small as a mustard seed, it's a small seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, we'll end by talking about the mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Wow, what an interesting teaching on faith. And then again, I think he continues, again, I think we get a condensed version, but, and I'll even tell you how I think this links as we get going, but, but then he gives a little mini story. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? It's probably a passage you haven't read too often. No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat, and then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our, our duty. So we'll come back to that in a little bit, but Jesus, I'm, I'll say this, we'll talk about it more, but, but clearly Jesus has a deep understanding of who he is as the king of kings. <laughs> I mean, this only makes sense coming from Jesus. All right, so we're going to start, we'll start by talking about this mustard seed of faith. What do we mean by faith? And we're Christians, we talk a lot about faith, we read the Bible, the Bible is a story of faith. I mean, it doesn't make sense without faith. It talks a lot about faith, but the Bible really doesn't give us a lot of definitions for faith. I think I've said this before. Maybe the closest you get is the beginning of Hebrews 11. Maybe that's the closest you get. But, but the Bible doesn't really give us a definition of faith. What the Bible does again and again and again is give us stories of people who are living by faith. 
And there are different kinds of stories about different kinds of people, but again and again and again, this is what faith looks like. And this is what, because faith is so hard to try to put faith in one sentence. So we get story after story of people who are called and respond and their world is changed because they have trusted God. So many different expressions of people engaging their life with God. Now, because I'm a pastor, through the years I have come up with definitions that have been helpful for me. And, and honestly, I was thinking about it, it's often shaped by the church community I was a part of at the time. For a long time, I would have been, again, I don't, I don't think this is comprehensive. If you look at all the stories of faith in the Bible, it's hard to just put it in a sentence. But, but for a long time, and I, I think this is still correct, I just don't think it's everything, but I would have said that faith is trusting that God is who he says he is in Jesus. That the true God is the God revealed in the person of Jesus. I, I do think that's getting us near faith. And I would say that faith is believing, trusting that God will do what he said he will do. The Bible is filled, we'll talk a little bit about this, the Bible is filled with promises. And, and we would say that all of God's promises are a yes and amen in Jesus. And so we believe that, we trust that, and we orient our lives around that. Another way I've been thinking through it again, you're, you're just trying to get faith, this is what, it, what is faith? Something that I've been wrestling with, again, I heard this from someone else, and I'll, we'll play around with this a little bit this morning, but, but faith is an orientation of the soul towards God. We'll talk about that a little bit with the mustard seed, but it's, it's an orientation of the soul towards God. There's something deep within you oriented towards God. And then, and I think this is you know, part of the disciples' question, it's an ongoing engagement with God. So let's think about an orientation of the soul. The, the mustard seed, as I said, is generally was one of the smallest seeds in their region. And so there's a sense that Jesus is saying it's not the size of your faith. It's not so much about the quantity of your faith because even a tiny bit of faith can accomplish a lot. We could say it this way, God does not, despi God does not despise small beginnings. It's not always about the quantity. In fact, God often begins with apparently small and inconsequential things that I, I think as the disciples are attuned to can grow, <laughs> has a capacity to become more and greater and greater and greater. And as I talk about these stories of faith in the Bible, I think one of the many, many gifts that the Bible gives us are stories of other people that help us identify and describe where we're at on our faith journey. As a pastor, it's been interesting to me to see how many times I, I meet someone. Now, if you don't know many of the stories of the Bible, I encourage you to get reading. <laughs> Get reading, read these stories, and learn more about faith as you see how men and women have engaged with God. But one of the stories that, that people share with me a lot, you know, tell me, well, I often I, I identify with this father. It's a story that shows up in the Gospel of Mark. You, you may, many of you know the story, and you might, yeah, I love that story. <laughs> it helps us. It's a story of a father who comes to Jesus and asks for help if he can. <laughs> and Jesus says, if. If all things are possible to him who believes, to him who has faith. And those of you who know the story, identify. This is what you identify with. The Father says, I believe. Help my unbelief, right? 
We identify with that. There's something about our own journeys that identifies, yes, I believe, but help my, I have faith, but help my faithlessness. My faith is the size of a mustard seed. It's small. So you ask the question, well, how much faith did this father have? How much faith does he need? Again, I don't know how to quantitatively measure it. What I can tell you is this man had enough faith to come to Jesus. And that was enough for Jesus. We don't despise small beginnings in the kingdom of God. It's not about the quantity. If If you have enough faith this morning to come to Jesus, I'm telling you that's enough faith. That's enough. Don't worry about what you don't have. Focus on what you do have. Jesus honors that. Again, it's not about a sensational start. Faith doesn't usually take root in your life suddenly or sensationally. That's why Jesus uses this imagery of a seed. And I need to say this again and again and again because we talk about here often how we're being formed. We're always being formed. Are you being formed to be like Jesus or to be like something else? And one of the major, in this technology, all kinds of stuff around us, one of the major things that is happening in our world, more than maybe ever before, is that we are being formed to demand and need immediate gratification. It's got to happen now. It's got to happen now. It's got to happen now. Bigger, better, now, now, now. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's like a seed. It's like a mustard seed. It's not always sensational. I'm not going to plant a a seed in my yard and say, hey, you guys want to come over? Come over tonight and watch my seed grow. What? (laughs) That would be boring. But Jesus, often, that's how the kingdom comes. We need to move past this need for immediate gratification. Now, seeds are very reliable. And they really do work, but it just doesn't always happen right now in sensational, sudden ways. You and I have to learn to orient our soul towards Jesus. And as I said, if, if you can come to Jesus morning, this morning, that's, that's enough. That's enough. He'll work with that. But the disciples seem to have an idea. Okay, we understand faith and its beginnings, but, but we also understand that because it's like a seed, it has the capacity to grow and increase, and we want our faith to increase. And faith does grow. It grows with an ongoing engagement with God. Mustard seeds, and I think it's one of the reasons Jesus used it, it's a tiny seed in the region, but it actually grows into a pretty big plant. Tiny things can grow into great, great things. Faith comes as a seed, and if faith is nurtured, it has the capacity to grow. It can grow larger and larger. And I was thinking about faith can take over your life. I mean, I think I, I can remember, I mean, I could tell you my testimony and my story. And when my journey with Jesus began, it, it started as a mustard seed. But I can tell you... You can probably guess it because I'm a pastor. Faith has taken over my life. I mean, there are very few decisions that I make on a grand level or even at this point in my Jesus journey on a small level where faith doesn't speak. It started real small, but I'm, I'm 20, 25 years into really, really following Jesus. Faith has taken over my life. And I want more of it because it's amazing. Jesus, grow my faith. 
So how does faith grow? Well, there's lots of ways. I mean, we could spend the rest of our time talking about how faith grows. Let me just give you two. First, I, I, I do think faith grows, I mean, through, we could say proclaiming the gospel in all the ways that that means, but, but even this morning as we talk about stories, I think your faith grows both as you tell your stories, and I say this often, I want Crossview to be a place where